The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Each business is unique and operated individually of others in the same industry. What they have in common is the potential path to success. Welcome to The Second Stage with your hosts, Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. In today's program, we'll address the obstacles that many businesses find on that path to success and discuss what entrepreneurs and their businesses are doing to stay ahead of the curve. Now, here is Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. Another week. Can you imagine that? We're back here at the second stage. It's exciting. You know, I, feel a, I feel a week older, to be honest with you. It's, I, been a, it's a long week. Week and a couple pounds, i got to be honest with you. Week and a couple pounds. But I pretty much feel that way every week. Week and a couple pounds. Positive, well, not negative. You're watching far too much youth hockey. Um, yeah. yeah. Far too much. I fear it's not the youth hockey, Jeff. I fear it's the alcohol post-youth hockey. But uh, maybe, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Sounds like you maybe need a new set of friends. No, I, I move around the hockey rink pretty well. You know, I'm uh, willing to drink with anybody. That's the way I, that's the way I go. And uh, we're going to the Cavs game tonight too. So I'll, you know, I, I probably won't have one there either. So uh, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. That's good. I think we're, we're, I think we're getting into the root cause here of yeah. your, <laughs> right. your exactly. You're just not very discerning about who you drink with. I guess that's, uh, that's I'm a social guy. I'm a social. guy. And you know what? And there's a lot of people in our, on on the earth. You know what I mean? That's- and I'm going to try to have a couple beers with each one of them. I'm going to lap it, make a couple laps, if you know what I mean. Or vodka Red Bulls, as the case may be. Depending yeah, on yeah, yeah. It depends on the time of day. Exactly. Depends on the time of day. Exactly. Vodka Red Bull in the morning. I mean, after midnight. Exactly. Right. Right. Just to keep you awake. <laughs> hey, Jeff, I don't know if you heard. I actually uh, last, I think it was last week. Sorry, these weeks are hard to tell, but I uh, went to a, an event um, that was uh, put on by Case Western Reserve's uh, Weatherhead School of Business. And it's uh, all about driving purpose capital to Cleveland. And I'm like, oh, my God, how wonderful is that? And uh, you know, Scott Lowry, who you and I have had on the show, is really, uh, I say he's big fan. It. Yep. Yeah, big fan. And, and, you know, he obviously has uh, driven his uh, his. His company based on uh, Rockefeller habits and finding his purpose, and uh, and he's got a you know great plan to kind of do something similar to what uh, Jack Stack has done, where he's just going to you know try to start as many businesses off of you know using the people that have uh, that, that know his system or know the system and so forth. But what's so neat is how uh, he and uh, his other you know fellow Promise partners, these people that graduated from Case that all vowed to someday own their own business, uh, have really kind of banded together to try to make uh, Cleveland. You know, the, the, the purpose capital of, uh, of, you know, kind of learning or the learning of, pers- of, of purpose capital. And um, not to throw out every name that we've used in our, our thing, but uh, Chuck Fowler of uh, Fairmont Minerals is a, is a big uh, proponent of that and the Fowler's, Fowler Center for Sustainable, for Sustainable Value, which is uh, kind of neat how it all kind of wraps together and how it really kind of centers around the, you know, the five pillars and helping people kind of, you know, dig out of their business up on, on their business to, to effectively find their purpose. And so neat group. Uh, PurposeCapitalCleveland.com is the uh, is the website in case of any of the uh, local Northeast Ohio people want to get involved. It's a, it seems like a wonderful, wonderful uh, 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 cause or uh, you know group of people. 
Well, you know, uh, obviously, evolutionary capital, uh, you know, fills that that definition uh, quite a bit, and I'm glad that you are uh, spending time with those guys. Certainly, a very successful, admirable group of people that, uh, as you're pointing out, think that you can you can do good and uh, make money at the same time, and uh, they certainly have been shining examples of that. Um, another shining example of that would be our guest from last week, Ray Leach, uh, the CEO of Jumpstart Inc. Uh, we talked about five major players in any entrepreneurial ecosystem. And uh, Ray um, was so well-spoken, and I think that's why he uh, is a sought-after uh, a guest uh, and participant in a lot of these different activities. But um, uh, the five major local players, or excuse me, major players in an entrepreneurial ecosystem include uh, local entrepreneurs, uh, mentors, uh, investors, and in support organizations. And then this one I thought was pretty unique is storytellers is number four. And um, you know, bloggers, reporters, marketing professionals, uh, immersed in strong entrepreneurial culture cultures is important, and then educational institutions. Um, I think those are five very, very sound um, um, points, and uh, I would expect nothing less out of, uh, of Ray. So anyway, if you haven't caught it, uh, we had played it, um, uh, we, we had him as our guest last week, and it's what local regions can do to support and sustain entrepreneurship. Anyway, you're going to find this. You're going to find this hard to believe, uh, but do you know that the, what Ray Leach is preaching is very similar to what uh, the PurposeCapitalCleveland.com is preaching, where we, you know they try to get entrepreneurs together and share stories and share resources and share their you know their favorite things about Cleveland and so forth. And so it really is about getting the word out and making people uh, you know fully understand that there is support and help and uh, quite frankly you know people uh, people that'll 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 help them move things along. So that's uh, that's uh, it's, it's when you're listening and talking, I'm like, wait a minute, that was kind of a similar agenda to the meeting we had last week. So that's neat yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, I want to juxtapose all this positive talk with the regulatory uh, <laughs> hairball that we're we, choking we on We should here. have started with the hairball and moved on to the fun stuff. I was, go ahead. I'm sorry. Exactly. But if any of you out there in the listening audience are thinking about uh, starting a finance company, a non-depository financial services company, I think again, uh, there is an organization out there that regulates, uh, that I guess it helps uh, uh, government agencies monitor and manage and underwrite people that are going through the licensure process called NMLS. It's National Mortgage Licensing System. It's national na- nationwide licensing system.org. Um, and it is just unbelievable. And they're asking for, I think we've been fingerprinted like 50 times. Uh, we, and then over each. and then redone. Yep. And how awkward is it for a police officer to be holding your hand for about 45 minutes? You run out of things to talk about. I mean, there's only 32 football teams in the NFL. You know what I mean? <laughs> and there's one time when you do it the first time, but then when you have to come back again and you just go, no, I just really like doing this. But uh, yeah. 
No, it's it's it, it is a you know it's a pain, and I think you know it's it's really sick. You get on that website, and I think that they started doing this for for mortgage licensing, so forth, and then um, the state most states or, or uh, regulatory authorities don't have the infrastructure. It appears from afar that uh, so they've kind of just thrown these other certifications and so forth on top of this system, which doesn't seem to be prepared for it. It's it's uh, it's. It's it's a little overwhelming, or it's beyond overwhelming, and not to mention the cost, Jeff. I mean, we've spent massive amounts of time, but the cost associated with getting getting uh, you know licensed in every state is brutal. Yeah, yeah. Well, this we could have an entire show on you and me complaining about this. So I'm going to turn back positive turn- now. Don't, you know what, I, don't, I don't think we vetted this though. I mean, this is a this is a thing that basically. I know. I mean, I, just, I mean, this is something that if you want to be a lender in a state, you have to go through this, and each state's different, and they change all the time, right? I mean, so it's it's brutal. Yeah, and, and the reason I went positive is because I felt my blood pressure starting to build, and we red have bull. a yeah. that was the red bull. <laughs> oh, okay. oh yeah, yeah, I got that needle in my arm. I got to take it out. Anyway, we may save a show on this just so you and I can vent for an entire hour and we just not have guests. Um, Maybe nobody will tune in for that, but it might be good therapeutic for you and I. Anywho, uh, so I wanted to start talking about today's show. And we have our guest, Mike Marhofer, on the line. He is a partner uh, and also on the executive committee and the co-head of M&A at Kelfie Halter and Griswold, and someone that we work very, very closely with and uh, have a great deal of respect for. Hence, he is on our show. Uh, he's also a fabulous football player at uh, Miami of Ohio, uh, a wonderful still? institution. Is he yeah. still a fabulous football player? Because it's been quite some time. We'll have to ask him if he's still beaten. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, good. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that. Any, anyway, um, so what we thought we would do is we've had a lot of our listeners ask us, uh, to talk about the legal process in terms of uh, preparing for selling your business, um, the actual uh, negotiation of documents uh, like the purchase agreement and, and employment agreements and equ- related equity documents. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have a three-part series on all of those uh, issues. And we think that there's a ton to talk about. Uh as we prepared for the show, it is quite obvious to me that we had to be very focused because there's so many tangents you could go down and talk about. So today's show is really about selling your business, and we're going to call it part one, and, and then um, then we're going to get into understanding the, the, the purchase agreement in the, the second show, and then the third show will be more into um, equity documents, employment agreements, and so on and so forth. So um, that is today's show and the next two shows, and I think uh, it'll be a great show. Um, but before we go much farther, I want to remind everyone that each week we want to provide actionable advice and have you continue the dialogue through comments and questions on our blog at evolutioncp.com. We want to hear from you in terms of what works and what doesn't. We want to create a true community of entrepreneurs helping entrepreneurs. You can also email us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com. I would also like to thank our wonderful sponsors, McGladry 
LLP is the leading provider of assurance tax consulting services focused on small and mid-sized businesses nationwide with more than 6,700 people in 75 U.S. cities. And with that, we're going to take a break and come back with our guest, Mike Marhofer, uh, to start talking about uh, preparing your company for sale. Thanks for tuning in to the second stage. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait, they just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to the second stage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. This is Jeff Cadlick, and I'm here with my partner, Brendan Anderson. We also have our guest, Mike Marhofer on the phone from Calfee. How are you, Mike? Good, guys. How are you? We're hanging in there. Living the dream. <laughs> Brendan wasn't sure if you were still playing football at Miami, Ohio, and I wasn't sure considering there are two and six. I thought you might still be there. Yeah. Might still be starting. Yeah. Yeah, could maybe. Could maybe these days. But, uh, no, that was uh, some time ago. I've been doing this for over 20 years. So the, the football – Helmet was retired probably 27 years ago or so. You're not playing men's league football? No. Stop that as well. No. Okay. All right. That's good. That's good. Well, I understand that the, the Browns might be might be looking for a receiver. So oh, uh, he opened that door. Is it the Browns or is it the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers? <laughs> first place Browns. Oh yeah, you know, as soon as that Browns? came out of my mouth, I knew that oh, was not a good direction to go. Wow. Holy cow. Wow. I wouldn't, I wouldn't play for the Steelers, so we'll keep that clear. Oh boy. Oh, boy. He doesn't like winners, obviously. Okay, so uh, we want to turn our 
attention to the very important topic of preparing your business for sale. And this is something that a lot of our listeners have have asked for. So we're glad to finally be able to get it on the air and to get on Michael's uh, busy schedule. Um, so, um, Mike, why don't we just start with the obvious here? Why is it important to prepare for the sale of your company prior to beginning the sale process? Yeah, Really, you can break this down probably into five critical areas or why it's important. And uh, basically, the first one is to, to maximize the sale price. Uh, obviously, that's critical in any process. But you would be surprised, or, or maybe you wouldn't, that when issues come up and, uh, you know, buyer's concerns and, and, and raises issues, the, the cost estimates uh, to remedy those problems for the buyer generally tend to be much more expensive than the actual cost to remedy. So it's always better uh, to, to deal with things before you get into the sale process, try to smooth out any issues or potential issues the buyers will uncover so you can maximize the sale price. Um, the second and third point are kind of tied together. Um, you know, if you're prepared to sale, uh, for sale, you can cons- consummate the deal quicker and um, you lessen the risk that a deal won't close. You know, time is usually not a transaction's friend. Uh, so if you can be prepared for sale and have everything in order, uh, you can speed that process uh, much more quicker and then, uh, you know, lessen the risk for the deal to close. Uh, fourth on the list is kind of credibility in the process. So if you're not uh, ready to sell and, you, and you're cleaning up your records as you go through it, you're going to lose credibility. And, and, that can, and that certainly will hurt when, you know, a few issues come up and they're, you know, they'll probably scrutinize your business even more as they see you're not, uh, you know, your house is not in order, so to speak. And the last one really is it does save time and money. Uh, it's a very painful process, particularly if you're not ready. Um, if you are ready, it provides the management team uh, able to focus on not only the business and the continuing operation of it, but also on important financial and transaction issues that come up in the negotiations so that, uh, you know, everybody's rowing in the same direction and not, you know, not focusing on major issues that could have been dealt with uh, in the past. Mike, you were talking about in the, the issue number one, which was maximizing the sale price, and I was kind of chuckling about thinking about some of the things that we've run into over the last couple of years, and obviously you're, you're well aware of them. Maybe um, talk about briefly, you know, because I think for an entrepreneur, it's hard to understand, you know, what what some of those things could be, um, and maybe talk a little bit about. And it's, I know it's hard, and the list is long, but what are some of the things that we can run into that would that would reduce a, a sales price? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that could be that could be a lot of things. Um, you know, in particular, um, for example, if your corporate records aren't in, in complete order, and, and so either you formed the business or you bought the business, uh, you want to make sure you have accurate records reflecting, you know, stock ownership, uh, you know, important transactions, uh, you know, approvals of stock option grants, or financing transactions, or other acquisition transactions. So. You really want to be buttoned down in the corporate record area, um, and particularly around the stock uh, or the assets of your business. So to make sure that you have good title to your assets or a clean stock uh, ownership and and, and granting of options or profits, interest, and LLCs were all done correctly. If if you can't show that uh, to a buyer, you're going to have issues. 
Um, and generally when I say assets, the big one is intellectual property, right? So you make sure that you tie down exactly uh, your ownership of intellectual property. So th those are a few areas where it can really, really catch up to you and cost you dollars. And, we, and, and as, as you know, in our deals uh, that you're well aware of, I mean, we, we uh, you know, even even we were in a spot where we had issued options within a certain time frame, and we had some issues that uh, we had to go back and take care of. And, and in, in a deal we we tackled in the last in the last year or so, uh, you know, the the sellers couldn't really uh, they they believed they knew who the owners of the business were, but they but they didn't have documents to prove it, and that and that really slowed things down. And and you know, and and, and I mean, maybe talk about you know that that you know. You know, well, I guess when when you go to sell something and you can't prove that you you know who the owners are, it, it really does. It's the wrong time to go ask for for proof of that stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, it sure it sure is. And, and sometimes you can get it, and sometimes you can't. And if you can't, you know, if you can't, it's going to cost you time, right? And and, and probably the hassle of, of of looking at former employees or independent contractors that should have signed uh, some type of an assignment document to get you the intellectual property you own. Um, or if you can't find them, it could cost you dollars, right? It, you know, if you don't, if you can't, you know, effectively uh, demonstrate ownership of key intellectual property, um, you know, the deal might actually not happen if it's that key to the business, or you know, it's definitely going to cost you dollars. Well, I think that if you look at the some deals that uh, some opportunities that we've looked at recently, um, you know, the the people that uh, that really had their uh, their 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 ownership, their historical documents, and uh, quite frankly, you know, their books and records in pretty good shape. Uh, probably, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but maybe uh, you, you probably know the two I'm talking about. The difference between those were were probably, you know, double the cost and in, in less than half, you know, in, in more than double the time. Is that a, is that a fair statement? I mean, do you? I mean, it it really does wear us down or wear everybody down, including the including the sellers. It, it does. There's no question. And, you know, you can talk to business owners that sold their business, you know, whether they're ready or not. If they're not, and quite frankly, it's really hard to actually adequately convey to business owners how important this is. And I'll say it's important not only when you're preparing to sell your business, and I would say you better start that three to six months prior to engaging in the sale process, but this is actually just good general housekeeping for your business, right? You should be doing these things now uh, whether you think you're ever going to sell the business. Maybe it's a family business and, and you're never going to sell. But some of the things we can touch on um, later in the program are, are just good business practices and, and helps pre, you know, preserve value and avoid issues, whether they're you know, lawsuits or claims or penalties um, with respect to government uh, authorities or the like. It, it's just good sound business practice as well. Um, so you, it's never too early to start. And, um, and, and yeah, it can, it, can, it can crash the sale process, and it certainly can cost you dollars. And it's, and it's, really, it's really painful, too, as, it, as the time, you know, as it, as it delays the process. Well, I think the thing that, that we, you know, it's easy to say and hard to do, but the time to the time to put the documents in a safe place, and you know, now with all the wonderful technology, the time to do it is when you do it, um, and when you sign all non-disclosure, and when you sign employment contracts, and when you sign the all that stuff. You, you, it's it's really you got to get that stuff in 
in a in a place where people can find it um, right then because uh, you know as you know as we know as, as we get older our memories seem to seem to fade a little um, you know we got into you touched briefly about um, business owners and when you start preparing for a sale or when you start doing this stuff maybe and, you know you said six months and then and then and then obviously you know we, we think it's probably best practices and, and best done regardless of what you want to do maybe talk about you know you know why it, why it is important to have this you know to start this right away yeah, and maybe, who you, and maybe who you include in that process. Yeah, right. So, you know, when you if you're not going to sell your business, uh, you know, in three to six months, and, and you just want to do some general good housekeeping, I mean, you really everyone can be on that team. Typically, the the CFO is the central person because you know your financial records and tax records are really critical to to getting through due, due diligence and getting buyers comfortable with the business. Uh, but you, you also will include, you know, your lawyers, auditors, HR folks, you know, VP of ops, you know, sales and marketing, and, and your chief technology officer. So um, generally, all those people should be on the team. You probably want to get that a little tighter if it's going to be a sale process type of thing. And that is why you should, you know, have a good, you know, record retention and, and just good general policies with respect to all your business practices and areas. So, you know, the CFO and the people that are in the tighter group really have access to all those things such that you're not, you know, having to bring uh, too many people under the tent once you actually start the sale process. So uh, it could be a big, it should be a, a bigger group to get all functional areas, you know, as a general good, you know, practices, and then a tighter group with the CFO leading it um, when you start the sale process. And, yeah, I said three to six months, and it really depends on the complexity of the business and, and how well you are prepared. You know, um, once you once you hit the go button. You know, it's interesting, uh, Mike, and uh, you, you know we have run into this phenomena so many times where the companies that we invest in uh, are not ready for the institutional underwriting process. And as you said very early in your comments, how difficult the sales process is. And we had a couple of our um, uh, uh, CEO partners mention it during the annual meeting about, you know, how difficult it is. But, you know, it's really hard to get around when you're a small company. And a lot of the companies that we invest in are still reliant on the founder for everything. And so the founder is the team. Um, does that, I mean, how do you, from a legal perspective or just from a general business acumen perspective, because you've done it more than anybody on the call, is how do you how do you deal with that? Does that mean that you've got to have a, a really good broker to help address a lot of the stuff and free up the time of the founder to run the business so that it doesn't fall flat on its face while he's trying to sell the business at the same time? Yeah, yeah, good question. You, you know, so you, you do need a good team to sell your business. There's no question about that. Um, you need a, a deal-savvy lawyer for sure. Um, and I, I think it is, to maximize value, a good practice to, to have an investment banker. Um, you know, investment bankers or some third party that run the process can maximize value by doing, you know, you know, a market check, uh, make sure there's multiple parties. A bidding situation uh, is a good thing to maximize value. Um, you know, investment bankers or brokers can run interference uh, with respect to the tough issues so the business owner doesn't have to uh, deal with, 
either the private equity firm or whoever's buying his uh, business. And um, it gives a little bit of credibility as well. Um, you, you know, so you have a willing seller. Make sure you have a willing seller if they engage, you know, advisors uh, that, that shows that. Um, so, yeah, but, it, you know, it, in the initial meeting, you know, that I would like to, you know, conduct to a seller is to, is to really explain the process, uh, make sure they understand. And investment bankers do this well um, as well. Um, you know, the length of time it's going to take, you know, you have to manage expectations, uh, you know, how, how long it's going to take to get the business ready to sell, how long is it going to take to market it, how long will it take to negotiate a purchase agreement, how long will it take to close. And those processes um, can take a, much longer than any business owner thinks, and they certainly, if they haven't been involved in it, certainly don't understand um, how, how detailed it's going to get. Um, but you try to explain that as the advisor to the seller, um, that point. And, um, you know, and again, preparing beforehand can certainly minimize uh, the effort it's going to take. Uh, but you hit the nail on the head. If the, if the business owner doesn't prepare their business for sale and, and is not managing, and, and advisors aren't managing his expectation, it's going to be a painful process. And quite frankly, what will happen, and I, I know we've seen this, is that. Um, you know, it gets, the business gets bogged down. The, the operation of the business gets bogged down in the sale process, and, and the business suffers. You know, your backlog can shrink, and uh, other things are not going to be uh, looked at to the detail they normally would be, and, and, and the business suffers. Yeah, it's funny, Mike. I was, I was um, also thinking as you were talking, if somebody said to me, uh, would you rather have a great investment banker slash broker or would you rather have a great lawyer uh, during the sale process? I would say I'd rather have a great lawyer that I feel like I know how to tell the story of selling my business. And um, what I don't have a specialty in is the legal nuances of the mergers and acquisitions process and some of the documents that we're going to talk about in, in subsequent shows. Um, how do you feel about that? And and can we laugh a little about some of the experiences that we've had with lawyers uh, uh, on the selling side? Yeah, um, laugh or cry, I'm not sure. But yeah, I, I mean, you definitely need a lawyer that knows what they're doing to guide you through the process. And I, I agree. There's no, business owners can sell their business better than anybody can, any investment banker, lawyer, or other advisor can. So, um, you, you know, that, if you got somebody with the passion in the business owners, then, and that, that, that's great. So you, you can get, if you, as long as you can get to the right buyer, and, and if, a, if a business owner knows who he wants to sell to, then, then yeah, then it probably gets, uh, gets into the lawyer's hands of, uh, of getting them to the right uh, position on, on documentation and, and managing the expectation and getting the you know getting the businesses um, business ready to, to to sell. But yeah, if, if you're if you don't have a good lawyer on the other side, um, you know it's very difficult to consummate a transaction. It, it's going to take longer. Um, you know, there's going to be um, yeah, you're going to take uh, undue risks. Uh, an exposure in, in a purchase agreement, and uh, I, I'm always happy uh, if the if the lawyer on the other side is a deal lawyer. Uh, I think this transaction will go smoother, and and everyone's going to be happy because at the end of the day, right, the, the seller business owners are going to get a pile of money, and the buyers going to get uh, get a business, and everyone should be happy at the end of it. 
Um, and it, you know, and if there's professionals on each side, you know, with that goal in mind, uh, the process just goes smoother and it goes quicker, and and everybody is happy, and you have a have a nice closing dinner. Uh, otherwise, you know, you can get bogged down and you can run into issues. Well, I, I look at it, and I, I feel that most entrepreneurs, you know, these are this is their this is their big moment, and they go and they they talk to the uh, the lawyer that they have been dealing with for all their corporate work or for their personal corporate work, and that have gone that have not gone through many of these transactions, and and that's just where we get you know that the things get really bogged down, and and um, you know because because they're they're not giving them the advice of from a seasoned professional that had seen this a lot of times before, because you know the, these documents are, are thick and. They, they contain, you know, words like reps and warranties and all the things that we're going to get into in other shows and so forth. And and the in the you know in a, in a legal and a, and a true tested lawyer is going to know what those really mean and the true risks to the entrepreneurs. Where you know somebody that hasn't been it before, hasn't done it a lot before. It just uh, you know they 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 read the words and they're like uh, you know it's it's a uh, you know they they can't put it in a business context. So it's yeah. uh, it's tough. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's a little like the medical profession as far as there, there is specialists, right? And, you know, I don't know much. Uh, I don't even know where the courthouse is, right? So I'm, I, I can't litigate a matter for you or, um, you know, do your estate plan effectively. So, uh, but I can sell your business for you. And, and, and there's many professionals that can, uh, that knows the process, knows the timing of the process, and knows how to get a deal done, whether, you know, what conditions are there from a governmental basis uh, or a contractual basis, and what needs to get done on the consent side, those take time. And if someone doesn't, uh, you know, isn't able to highlight those quickly or explain them to their client, those can bog down a deal and, and delay things. So it, it is extremely important that, you know, everyone gets on the same page and, and, and that happens quicker when uh, kind of everyone knows what they're doing. Makes sense. You know, Jeff, I want to. I know we're getting close to the end. I, I do want to get into the various things that you know we need to touch on, and some of the uh, um, some of these other areas that people need to be to be cognizant of when they go through this. And uh, wondering, uh, should we start that now, or you want to? Uh, yeah. Why don't we uh, Why don't we start that right now, and uh, we'll we'll you know ease on into a break here in a second. I just. Okay, sounds good. Hey, uh, Mike, you know, I, I know we chatted, uh, you know, prior to the show about some of the things that um, that the, the entrepreneur needs to prepare for a sale, and I know we touched briefly on like record retention and and uh, um, and that sort of thing. Anything else we want to add to that? I just I was kind of going to go through like kind of our list of things that we, you know, that if a listener should be writing down and and you know, kind of asking their 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 counsels about. Yeah, no, uh, that's great. I mean, the one thing that. Um as an aside, before we get into those functional areas, the one thing you know I would stress to business owners is really, you know, get get an estate plan in, in, in place, um, and, and that's one of those things that uh, preparing your business for sale, uh, estate planning probably should go hand in hand with that. Uh, you basically you don't want to own your business in an individual in your individual name capacity. Uh, I've, I've seen experiences where uh, you know if you do and you die. Uh, that business needs to go through probate court, and that, that's what you want. You, you definitely want to avoid that because um, then, you know, the world can see your financials. You'll, you'll have to value the business and, and, and such. So um, when you're preparing for sale or getting your house in order, so to speak, I think, you, you know, visiting your estate plan and your ownership of your business and how it's titled is, is very important. So I, I would say, you know, that's, that's step number one. Um, 
and yeah, you know, we had the record retention and, and, and your corporate records is, is huge. Um, I would say, you know, getting your material contracts centralized in one place is extremely important. It, it, it's, it's amazing when you ask, you know, you have a basic due diligence request list as a, as a buyer out to a seller, and, you know, they come back with um, unexecuted documents, undated, they say draft on them. We've never seen that. that, have we, Jeff? Jeff no, we've never seen no, that. never, 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 never. Contracts. Hey, so, Mike, I mean, you know, but, I mean, Mike, get into like specifically, like I mean, we're talking about customer contracts. We're talking about supplier contracts. We're talking. I mean, we're literally talking every con. I mean, a buyer is going to want to see any contract that you've entered into. I mean, is that? I mean, you know, and maybe throw absolutely. out some other. Absolutely. Um, and I think a lot it, of times. It, it, and and so sorry. you're not only going to have to show them to to a you know to a buyer, uh, and so they need to be signed by both parties. They you know they need not say draft on them, and and so you really should develop procedures when you're executing a contract, right? So um, you, you know you need to make sure that the appropriate party is executing the contract, has authority to execute the contract. Make sure the contract's in the correct legal entity's name. I've seen a lot of times where you put you know, you know, a division or some other type of non-legal entity is a party to a contract. That's that just raises raises problems in, in the future. Um, and so, you really need a you really need a procedures and process in place uh, for executing contracts. You, you know, in small businesses, you know, I, I think one or two people should be the only ones executing contracts. So, A, they, you know, they can have a central repository of them, and B, those people know exactly, you know, what it takes to get authority to sign the contract. Maybe there's bank restrictions on certain contracts that you need to know. They certainly will know what entity they go in, and, and they'll have the authority to sign them. So, you know, I think in that area, you know, that, that's critical when selling your business, and it's going to be critical, you know, in complying with those contracts and understanding what they say. All right, let's talk about intellectual property and documenting intellectual property. Yeah, so, um, you know, two big areas here. Uh, do you own what you think you own, and are you protecting what you want to protect? So, again, I think we touched on it before, you know, ownership is, is, is critical, and, and a lot of times, you know, intellectual property is developed. You know, obviously you can buy software off the shelf, uh, but a lot of times your ideas or and your names and such are are developed. So who's who developed those? And how do I protect those? Those are very important questions that, you know, a lawyers can lawyers can help with. So you, you definitely have to make sure you have your ownership and chain of title correct on your intellectual property. And then the other thing, are you protecting it? So um, there's many ways to protect your intellectual property, whether it's your names that you use or ideas or your trade secrets. You know, you could you can register those federally through trademarks and 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 and, um, and also through you register your ideas through patents and and then do you protect your trade secrets and, and there's many ways depending on the state to protect your trade secrets so I mean I think those are two critical areas that you know many buyers will look at particularly if intellectual property is important to the business 
Um, well, and Mike, and Mike, we've run into things, you know, just recently in the last uh, in the last year or so, where people are, you know, small business owners that are operating under their name in their state, or oper- also operating under their name in different states, and we find out later on that they're not really even allowed, you know, that they haven't registered, that there are other people operating there, that they don't have the, you know, the, you know, and so there's there's all of those things that most small business owners, I mean, you know, weird things like that that most small business owners don't even think about when they talk about, you know, do you own your name? And, yeah, uh, you know, weird stuff like that. No, good, good point, because, you know, most small businesses start very small, one location, and, and they don't think they ever need to think about that. And in the beginning, they don't. And as you expand uh, into different jurisdictions, uh, yeah, you could run into issues with respect to, you know, your ability to use your name in that, in that jurisdiction. So, um, it, you know, it's important to have the vision, important to discuss, uh, you know, with your advisors, you know, Here's my here's the name I want to protect. How do I protect it? And I know you did a show on that last year, and I, I think that's a, a show worth revisiting. Um, and how do you protect and, and, and get your intellectual property in order? Um, you know, the one thing that you definitely should do is have your employees all sign confidentiality agreements um, that assign intellectual property rights uh, that they develop as part of their employment. Um, you know, most employment relationships in state law would let, you know, employees would, wouldn't be doing that on their own. But, you know, there's case law where they're, you know, they're doing something on the weekends and, and it gets a little, little blurry. So you definitely want agreements with your employees and obviously independent contractors uh, that the business itself, the entity owns that intellectual property being developed by third parties. Um, and that, you know, there, and there's confidentiality restrictions with respect to uh, trade secrets or, you know, intellectual property or whatever, um, you know, whatever sensitive information that the, that the business owns. So that, that's, a, that's a, just a, a no-brainer. It can be two pages. It should be, a, you know, it should really be part of your hiring process. What, what other employment matters, things do we need to worry about if we're selling a business other than non-compete or uh, other than uh, confidentiality agreements? Yeah, I mean, this is more just good housekeeping. You have your, you know, employee handbooks and policies updated and in order, um, your benefit plan documentation, um, you know, and your compliance with your benefit plans uh, from a federal perspective and with respect to compliance with the individual um, terms of the plan. That's critical, um, you know, having, you know, if you have, uh, pension plans, having you know valuations done, and your 5500s, or any determination letters that the IRS needs to see, you know those things all will be asked for. If you don't have them, they can run into big issues. They're they're pretty easily done, uh, and most you know lawyers or the accountants you know understand how to you know comply with the benefit plans and get your house in order on the employee side. Um, but, but certainly, it's 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 very important to ha- you know have have plan audits and and making sure that um, you know everything's up to date, everything's filed annually, and you know you review periodically your handbook and, and policy manuals because you know laws change and, and and you should have updated policies. You know for you know I still see companies with they don't have you know an internet policy or you know. Uses of of Facebook and other uh, other social media, uh, they should definitely have a policy on that, and many many businesses don't. 
All right, I've got a, we got a lot, lot of stuff we got to tackle here, Mike. So the um, real property, you know, it's amazing how often in our deals where there where there are a lot of companies we will invest in that don't even own any real property, and how we're waiting around, you know, the, the week of a week of closing because we don't have leases assigned and 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 you know, kind of a, uh, even the right to assign the leases and so forth. And so, what other what other stuff, you know, that and other stuff would we need need to worry about on the real property front? Yeah, good question. So on, on the real property side, or really any contract, so there's a uh, there's what's called an assignment provision or a change of control provision, and and, and we'll touch on this in the next show on, on how you structure transactions, whether you buy assets or stock, and and how do you transfer, you know, contracts? Uh, do you need the third party's consent to transfer a contract? Well, it depends on the type of business, but as you prepare for sale or as you operate your business, you should. You should be on top of those provisions and really resist, um, you know, change of control types of transactions in your leases. So you have the ability to assign your lease if you sell the stock. And if you can get that into your lease uh, without getting the, you know, the landlord's consent, that, that's great. That, that's one area where that would certainly help the sale process if you don't need the landlord's consent uh, on a change of control transaction. Typically in an asset deal, that's an assignment of the contract. And, it, and you're not going to get that. You shouldn't expect to get that from the landlord. If you assign the contract, uh, a landlord typically will need to consent to that. So that that's critical inside the lease or really any contract uh, on the real property side. Um, but if you if you own real property, it, it's critical to keep good records of your title policies, surveys, deeds, options, easements, all those types of things. You know, a buyer is going to request. If you have them and you have them in order. It's going to make things a lot easier uh, for the buyer to, to get those um, updated or, or in place uh, and to diligence those items. They're, they're, they're critical. Uh, it's usually a major asset, a part of the business, and that asset um, you know, is easier to transfer if you have, have, have good records. How about environmental? Can I have an environmental problem if they don't have real estate? Uh, a- absolutely. A- absolutely. Uh, this is one area that, you know, um, you know, the environmental laws and, and, and compliance issues uh, it can happen if you're an owner or a lessee of a property. So uh, really, you do inherit um, environmental issues uh, once you step onto the property, either, either as an owner or a tenant. So, uh, you know, in the environmental area, you, you know, I, we urge people to have um, really a a clear chain of environmental responsibility, uh, whether it's your, you know, operations guy, uh, all the way down, uh, to make sure that, you know, there, you know, you're, you have all the permits that you need, uh, you're complying with all applicable environmental laws, and and again, when you're preparing the business for sale, you need to document this. You'll need you you'll need to be able to show the buyers that you have a compliance program. You are in compliance. Here are my permits. You know, the permits haven't lapsed, and, you know, you have the phase one reports or whatever else that you need for the business in, 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 in proper order. So this is an area, you know, I would say a few years back it was, uh, you know, people didn't understand it much, and we ran into a lot more issues. I think people understand the issues. They're on top of them more. Uh, they're, you know, they understand permits. They understand compliance. And, you know, lately I haven't, have not run into a lot of environmental issues because, People are a lot smarter, but uh, you still need those documents and records in order uh, on the environmental side, or you or you'll run into a big issue. All right, let's talk about litigation. 
what, well, uh, what on else? the litigation what? side, it's really preparing a file and a, so- and a story on why it happened, right? It could be for numerous reasons, uh, but you want to be out, out in front of this, meaning, you know, here are the, here are the applicable, um, you know, complaints and, and different filings that have happened uh, with respect to the matter, um, or if there's some court orders, how you've complied with those. It's really quite a process to be involved in a lawsuit. So you, you definitely want to be able to tell the story through documentation uh, of why it happened and, and here's the resolution of it, uh, you know, down to the settlement agreement and, 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 and also how you complied with the settlement agreement. And was it a payment or was it an ongoing uh, issue that you had to deal with as part of the settlement? So um, on, on the litigation side, it really is being able to, you know, tell the story and, 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 and showing them um, how you resolved it in every step of the way. Let's talk about some insurance, Mike. So I always love talking about insurance. Yeah, you know, on the insurance side, when you're getting business for sale, it's pretty easy, right? Getting, getting all the, you know, the policies and the loss runs and the claim histories so you can show, you know, the past, right? Here's how I, here's how I insured the business. Um, you, you know, and I would always recommend, um, you know, getting your insurance agent involved, um, obviously, to assess the risks of the business to make sure you're adequately insured and, and, and to make sure everything's up to speed and, and not lapsed and, and certainly, you know, ready to transfer to the next buyer, um, to the buyer of the business. So on the insurance side, that's it's typically pretty easy because it's one area where, you should be annually reviewing that and, and getting it, um, you know, getting it ready uh, every year. And, and so, on the business uh, side, when you're selling, that's typically not a big issue. Well, it's you know, it's funny. We uh, I think we always it's from evolution. We tend to be asset buyers. I know that that's going to be something we talk about in future uh, uh, episodes. But um, we always kind of get to the end, and the benefits seem to be hanging out there. And um, maybe just talk briefly that you know, that, that at least from a benefits perspective, it is something that isn't necessarily transferable. Uh, maybe talk about that for a second. Yeah, they, they they could be transferable. It depends on the plan. Sometimes you don't want them as a buyer. You kind of want to clean clean break. You'll establish your own benefit plans that perhaps mirror the plans uh, that, the, that the target company has in place so that you have a seamless transition, if you will, with the employees that you're hiring in an asset deal. But you're absolutely right, Brendan. I mean, you need to get on top of that. You need to get on top of that early. How are you transferring insurance? How are you transferring benefit plans? And, and that is a process. And it really is dependent upon what type of plans that you have and, and getting the brokers talking early about that and how you're going to, you know, effectuate it is, is critical. Um, whether you're mirroring it or assuming it, you know, how you're rolling over the 401k and, and, and how you're dealing with the health plan issues is, is critical. And it really depends on who the buyer is and, and what the seller plans are, but um, getting people talking about that early, um, you really can't talk about that early enough um, because it is a process uh, and it, it needs to be worked through by, you know, people above my pay grade. It's, it's pretty complicated, and, you know, professionals do that in particular, and they'll, uh, they'll be able to guide you through that. But that, that, is, a, that is an area that, can, that uh, deals can stumble on and get delayed on. So there's, there's lawyers out there actually get paid more than you, Mike? <laughs> They're smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, so to kind of set us up, for the the next show and and we've 
explain to our listeners, Mike, that this is a series and we're going to move on to the purchase agreement. We've went through some of the key areas here uh, that, that, that owners need to be cognizant of as they manage their business and ultimately benefit from it when they prepare their company for sale. So how does these issues present themselves in the purchase agreement in the terms of the reps and warranties and so on and so forth? Yeah, so from a high-level overview, it doesn't really depend on the structure. Uh, you know, you as a business owner or owners, there could be multiple shareholders or sellers, you will make representations and warranties really on, you know, the 10 topics we hit and, and, and probably six other that we, others that we didn't uh, on, on the financial records and product warranty, product liability. There's... So there'll be, you know, 20-odd different reps and warranties with respect to the business you're going to make. So all these functional areas that, um, you know, you're trying to dot the I's and cross the T's as you prepare to sell the business and even hopefully before, you will make specific representations and warranties uh, to the buyer with respect to your business and all those functional areas. So it's critical that you're on top of it so so you know uh, what exceptions you need to make to the reps and warranties, and again, so that you can make those and you can make those cleanly, you know, makes the transaction go much smoother. Well, that's I think that's a great segue into the next show, which we'll cover next Monday, and we are running out of time, Mike, uh, but we, we actually, if people hadn't noticed, we skipped over the, the, the middle break only because there's so much to cover here, and I think we may have the same challenge in the next show, but I think there's so much great information here. Uh, we certainly appreciate you being on the show, Mike, and... Um, Uh, We're going to continue on the show, so if you want to drop off the line, and then we'll pick it up next week. But we really appreciate your your effort and your expertise, and uh, look forward to um, uh, catching up here and uh, preparing for the next show. Great. Thank you, guys. Look forward to the next show. Thanks, Mike. All right. Take care. Thanks, Mike. Bye. Well, Jeff, that was a lot. Did you get it all written down? No, you know what? I I do sometimes go back and listen to some of our old shows, particularly when I'm doing it solo so I can hear myself talk more often. Yeah, it works. And <laughs> but but th- there is so much good stuff here and good business discipline and you know, one of the things that you and I've talked about that that we started doing years ago with our partner companies is we have an online diligence folder that when we go through the professional underwriting process that we force our partner companies to go through when we partner with them, knowing that it needs to be I mean, when we go to sell the business someday, the new buyer is going to do the exact same thing and more than what we've done, uh, that we need to have a central repository where all of these intellectual property, employment matters, contracts, compliance, litigation, insurance, benefits, all that stuff needs to reside. Well, I I think it's... You know, Jeff, as I hear you talking about it, and I just think about, you know, we're, you know, we're blessed, you know, to go through this four or five times, ideally a year or more. And um, and uh, it, it, we, we look the entrepreneurs in the eyes and we tell them how it's going to be a very painful, you know, four or five, six weeks. And, 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 and most of them smile and, you know, they say they can take it. And what do all of them say at the end of the four or five or six weeks? It was much worse than they thought. 
much worse than they thought. And that's and you know and that's and, and if you look at people that are amazingly organized, uh, you know, and and it does go massively smoother. And 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 it's easy. You know, it's 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 just it's easier for everybody um, yeah. and, and especially for them to keep their eye on the ball during a very critical time in, in a business life. So it just makes me smile because it's, we, we warn them, we warn them, we warn them. And it's like, you know, six weeks later, they're like, we got to, you know, got to close. It. And it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. And, and I say this every time we only have one minute left here, but I say this every time is even to the sellers where they think that we may, we have a reason to take advantage of them uh, and we don't because we're partnering with them going forward. But we encourage them every time, go get yourself a really good M&A lawyer, okay? They're different than your corporate lawyer and so on and so forth. It's a specialty. Go find it because it'll make your life a lot smoother. And I think your bill could actually be less with less headaches uh, when you're dealing with somebody that does this for a living every day. But Jeff, we've been going. This has been a detailed show, but we got to end with a very passion, passion for possibilities. Because if you can get your, you got to do this whether you're going to sell it, whether you're going to keep it, or whether you're going to live forever. This is all good stuff, right? And so you got exactly right. Excellent you got to have all of this stuff, and it's good stuff, and it'll make you happier in the long run. That's exactly right. Have passion for possibilities, and we look forward to talking to you guys next week when we pick up purchase agreements with the same guest, Mike Maroffer. Exciting. Thanks, thanks for tuning in to the second stage. Thank you for tuning in this week to the second stage. Please join Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson again next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.